Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Sig Daddy, and today it's my retro pay-per-view review of the week. It's Slammiversary 8, taking place on June 13th, 2010. But before I get to that, I hope you enjoyed my reviews last week of both Backlash 2020 and also ECW One Night Stand 2005. And if you haven't listened to them already, check them out on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and other podcasting platforms, Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. Let's get to the task at hand. Slammiversary 8, 2010, TNA's anniversary pay-per-view at TNA just eight years old at this point, 2002. Well, not 2002, but 2010. And this took place at the Impact Zone. Attendance was 1,100 approximately. And Taz and Mike Tanay are on commentary. And to give you a little bit of background, this was during the Hogan-Bischoff regime. This was in the early stages, the first six months of it, I'm pretty sure. And... I didn't mind this era of TNA, but watching back this pay-per-view makes me rethink that a little bit. But let's get this pay-per-view underway. It starts out with Kurt Angle versus Kazarian, and Kurt Angle put this stipulation on himself that if he loses, he will retire, and he's going to work through each and every one of the top 10 before he gets a TNA world title shot. And before this pay-per-view, a couple months before, he beat Ken Anderson in what was a really, really good uh, steel cage match at Lockdown 2010. If you have Impact Plus or you have the Lockdown 2010 DVD or you want to get the Lockdown 2010 DVD, that's the match to check out. Kurt Angle versus Mr. Anderson on this. And it's Kurt Angle versus Kazarian. Kazarian, the 10th-ranked guy, in uh, the TNA top 10 rankings that they did, but this they ended up like uh, going away from the rankings later on in this because you know Kurt gets a title shot at Bound for Glory 2010 against both Jeff Hardy and Mr. Anderson. But let's get to the match. I thought this was a pretty solid one. I thought this was a really good opener between uh, for these two guys. Not a ton of psychology in this match. But maybe a little bit with Kurt's neck, because Kazarian went to the neck multiple times on Kurt. One little story bit out of this match is Kurt cannot could not get the angle slam on Kazarian like to save his life. Kaz had a counter every single time. And one time after Kurt got the straps down, Kaz countered the angle slam with an arm drag. And then Kurt ran into Kaz. Kaz caught him and hit a reverse tombstone which is pretty much the same thing as a dead eye from uh it's the same thing as a dead eye from a uh, hangman page kurt but kurt sells this like he died kurt sold it like he died and kurt kicked out at the literal last second of this moments later kaz countered a tilt a whirl by kurt into a clothesline kurt kicks out again kaz springboards again Kurt hits a boot and then finally gets the angle slam for a long two count. Kurt goes up for a moonsault. Kaz puts him on the mat and tries to use the ropes as leverage. Kurt kicks out at two. 
Kaz goes for the reverse tombstone again. Kurt rolls through and gets the ankle lock. Grapevines it. After he pulls him back and game over, Kaz has no choice but to tap. You knew the result coming into this match was Kurt was not going to lose in his opening match on his crusade towards the TNA World Championship, but it was a really good opener. And in all honesty, spoiler alert, this is the best thing on the card. Very fun opener. And Kaz really lost nothing here because he looked really good. Kaz almost beat Kurt with that uh, reverse tombstone. But looked he looked really good in defeat. And he was looking like he was deserving of uh, Ric Flair's courtship as he was trying to earn the respect and uh, become friends with Ric Flair at this time when he was in TNA. It was a weird time in TNA. We had a lot of older guys and older stars there. Anyway, I'm going to give this match an A-. Really good opener from these two. Kurt Angle can pull a good match out of anybody. Just anybody. Following that, we got Brian Kendrick versus Doug Williams. Doug Williams defending his X Division title. And they got got 9 minutes and 33 seconds in this match. Kurt and uh, Kazarian, they had 14 minutes and 15 seconds but yeah 933 for this one and Doug Williams is the anti X division guy he's more of a grounded pound mat based wrestler uh Brian Kendrick you know high flyer and Brian Kendrick tried to wrestle Doug Williams's match early on in this match he, he uh, tried to go mat based with Doug Williams and tried to go move for move with him it didn't end up working And actually, Doug Williams won this match with a high-flying move. Nothing flashy by any means. He hit a Tornado DDT to beat Brian Kendrick. And I thought this was a pretty good match. I thought these two did pretty good with the nine nine and a half minutes they got. And it was interesting to see that Doug Williams, even though he was anti-X Division style wrestler, he won with a sort of X-Division-like move with the Tornado DDT. He was looking for the Chaos Theory late in the match, and Kendrick uh, bit him and hit some strikes. He set him up in the corner. Williams hit an uppercut. Then that second rope DDT sealed the deal. And I thought this was a fairly enjoyable match. There was a pin combo sequence during this that was a bit awkward. And these two might have lacked a little bit in the chemistry department, but this wasn't a bad match by any means. And it was, and like I said already, it was interesting to see Doug win with a non-ground-based move versus Chaos Theory, which is a roll-through German suplex. You might have seen, uh, if you watch WWE, Chad Gable do it. It's the same type of thing, except he bridges when he does it and actually pins him with it. Does uh, Doug Williams? I'm gonna give it a B minus. Fairly enjoyable match. After that, we get Christy Hemi with Brooke Tessmacher and Eric Bischoff backstage. He, she wants his uh, Eric's thoughts on the main event and talks about how Sting has a better plan and he has no idea what Sting's plan is and thinks Sting's out for his own interest and his own agenda and uh, he doesn't think it's in the best interest of the company or the fans and how and he talks about how RVD makes them proud, yada, yada, yada. After that, we get the TNA Knockouts Championship match. It's Madison Rain 
defending her Knockouts Championship against Roxy, uh, formerly known as Roxy Laveau. And this match doesn't get a whole lot of time before the match even starts, though, is, well, let's give a little background up. Roxy suffered a broken ankle that put her on the disabled list for a while. Uh, she beat Rain in a non-title match in her first match back. And then Rain got on the mic and said, how about you put up your career? And she talks about how she, how uh, the beautiful beautiful people had uh, dominated the division while you pop in, it, pop in and out whenever you like. And she talks about how she popped in and was handed a title shot and out Madison Rain herself has everything to lose and nothing to gain and that's when she proposes that Roxy puts her career on the line just like she did just like uh, Tara did the month before at Sacrifice and that uh, well you know Tara's retirement doesn't last very long but uh before Roxy even gets to answer Madison's question Madison clubs her with the microphone and it ends up busting her open and this match doesn't go very long. Not much psychology to this match. Roxy's bleeding a ton during this match. It's pretty impressive blade job by Roxy there, if it was a blade job. Um, Madison worked an arm for like 30 seconds. It was ugly. Not a very good match. Roxy hits some strikes for a comeback. Whips. Rain in the corner, back elbow, followed by a running boot, fall away slam. Hits the voodoo drop for a long two count. Some more counters, voodoo drop again, except Rain falls out of the ring this time. Roxy then gets her back in the ring, and as Rain, as not Rain, but as Roxy gets back into the ring, Rain kicks her, and she hits a wrist lock backbreaker, and that's it. Roxy's career is over in just four minutes and 42 seconds. Uh, this is very short, some awkward spots, and it was interesting seeing Rain eating two finishers and then getting lucky and winning, but that was probably her thing back in the day. And really, this just showed Rain proved to be an opportunist and capitalizing off of one mistake by Roxy. And I just wish this match had a little bit more time. And I don't like they just threw the retirement stipulation in there out of the blue. Why don't you just promote it as a retirement match instead of, oh, let's just bring up a retirement match in the middle of the show. But you got to take into account, Russo was on the writing team at this point. Russo was on the TNA writing team at this point. So you got you to gotta bring the swerve. You got to swerve them. Bro, you got to swerve them, bro. That was a terrible Russo impression, but uh, whatever. And I gotta do that. I gotta say one thing: hats off to Roxy for blading. But that doesn't help the match is great that much. I'm gonna give it a C minus. Not enough time. Not much of a story there. After that, we get teacher versus student, brother Ray versus Jesse Neal. And this all started out with Ink Ink versus Team 3D. Ink Ink comprised of Jesse Neal and Shannon Moore. And then Team 3D, of course, you know, Bubba Ray and Devon. But there were Brother Ray and Brother Devon at that point. And it's Ray's being a big jerk. Ink Ink beat them 
after Neil hit a spear on Ray. This was a number one contenders match. And then Ray cost Neil the tag titles at Sacrifice, losing against the band, which was, I think, Six Pac and Nash at the time, if I remember correct. And then when Ray makes his way out to the ring for the match, he grabs a mic and wants Devon out there. Shannon Moore comes out there backing Neil, and then he apologizes to everyone in the ring, and they hug. Ray and Devon raise Neil's hand. And they walk up the ramp, but then Ray clubs Neil. And a lot of this match coming up was dominated by Brother Ray. And it was, at least it was short. At least it wasn't some long beating, but there was a ton of slaps during this match. And different ways of slapping. He put Neil in the Tree of Woe and slapped him. He slapped him all over his body. And at one time he ripped his uh, best friend's dog tag off. And that was the dog tag of a friend uh, he lost while serving in the military. And Brother Ray is just being ultimate. Well, he's business prior Bully Ray, but this is pretty much Bully Ray at this point. Uh, well, he's acting like a Bully Ray at this point. He hit a nasty neckbreaker when uh, Neil was hanging in a tree of woe at one time. Late in the match, Ray ducks a strike, hits a bubble bomb, bubble bomb, and slaps Neil a couple more of times. And then Tommy Dreamer just shows up out of the blue in the crowd. This is his debut. He distracts Ray. Neil gets booted in the corner. Ray misses a seated senton from the middle rope. Neil then hits the spear, and it's over. This was okay. Ray pretty much dominated the whole entirety of the match, uh, slapping the literal piss out of Neil. Dreamer shows up, which in res- re- which which in retrospect just felt sort of random other than they worked in T and not TNA but they did work in TNA together but they worked in ECW together together and that's about it I didn't really understand how that connected to the match but okay it was fine it was better than the than the prior match but not much better this show has kind of taken a downhill trend and it doesn't get much better after that because after that, we get, uh, well, before we get to the next match, it was it's Hemi interviewing Hernandez. And they're talking about how Morgan injured him, and he made a joke of the tag belts, and then being the tag champs by himself, well, well Morgan made himself the one-man tag champs. And what he gave to him on impact was just a taste, and he wants the whole thing tonight, says Hernandez. And the story is... Uh, Hernandez got carbon footprinted. Well, he got his head carbon footprinted into the ring post a few months ago, hurting his neck. And then Hernandez returned that week, attacking Morgan. And Hogan made the match at Slammiversary. And we get Morgan walking out first with a neck brace on and a street clothes. And I figured out after this was the third straight match with a promo before it. Because we had Madison Rain in the Knockouts Championship match, and we had Brother Ray cutting a promo before his match against Jesse Neal, and then we had Morgan cutting a promo here. And this is the third straight match with a promo. And Morgan's talking about how he's got a doctor's note and he can't wrestle tonight, and he starts heading up the ramp. Hernandez jumps him from behind and rips off his neck brace, and the official rings the bell. And Hernandez chokes Morgan multiple times with his t-shirt, and then the ref's not liking that. And I don't know, this match only goes about five 
minutes and 18 seconds. I don't even know why this match they wrote this match even happened. I don't even know why they ring the bell for this match to be honest because all this was was really a fight and it ended in a DQ. After Hernandez tossed Hebner, uh, Brian Hebner, across the ring. And whatever. Afterward, Hernandez continues to beat down on the outside of the ring. And he goes for the big boot into the post. Hebner gets in the way and eats it. And then Morgan cowers away and Hernandez follows. I don't see the point of having this on a pay-per-view. I don't like it. I don't understand why they did this. It's a waste of a pay-per-view spot. It's very common WWE these days with a waste of a pay-per-view spot. Namely, the Street Profits and Viking Raiders segment from Backlash last week. If you want to see a waste, that was a complete waste of time and completely devalued their tag team championships. But that's a different story, and I will save that for a different day. This match didn't need to happen on the show. They didn't need to promote it. Give some more time to the other matches, which included the main event. But yeah, this didn't need five minutes. This could have just this could have just been a fight. This could have been just a fight on the pay-per-view. I would have been happy with it instead of having actually ringing the bell. Really don't understand the point of that. It led to a steel cage match the following month at Victory Road. But yeah, not good. And I'm going to give this a D+. After that, we get Hogan with Christy Hemi backstage and he comments on the RVD-Sting match and talks about what Sting's done. It's crossed the line and what he did to Jarrett also crossed the line and no pun intended, that was TNA's slogan back in the day, TNA, cross the line. Uh, and then all eyes will be on Sting tonight and then he promises it won't be a repeat of last month where Sting beat the literally, literal, literal bejesus out of Jeff Jarrett. Next match was Abyss versus Desmond Wolf, uh, better known as Nigel McGinnis, the NXT commentator, the wonderful NXT commentator. Uh, he's he's accompanied by Chelsea, and it's a monster's ball match. So this is pretty much a hardcore anything goes match. They get 11 minutes and 45 seconds. And the story heading into this match was false accusations of assault by Desmond Wolf and uh, Abyss. The month prior, the month prior, won the services of Chelsea for 30 days at uh, after well at sacrifice. And this at this time was Abyss's brief run as the disciple of Hulk Hogan. He's coming out to uh, to American Made, and this is after Abyss. Well, Hulk gives Abyss his Hall of, uh, Hall of Fame ring. And this is a weird time because Abyss, just a month later, he turns heel and he's talking about this uh, they. And we all know who, if you watch TNA at all during this time, you know who that is. Ends up being immortal. And I'll get to that another time. But this was not good. This was violent for the sake of being violent unnecessary violence really uh abyss goes into a barbed wire table not a table but a, a barbed wire board abyss's arms are super cut up at one time this just didn't look good abyss goes face first into shards of glass 
it was just unnecessarily violent, and there was so much bad acting by Chelsea here. It was very, very bad, and there was a, a teddy bear at the time, the barbed wire teddy bear. Ugh, gosh, this was not good. Not a good match. Abyss, at one time, like I said, goes face first into a uh, into shards of glass. And this is after Abyss tried to choke slam Desmond Wolf on the glass. He gets a kendo stick, hits him in the back with it as he goes face first. And then Wolf, he wants Chelsea's purse. And Wolf wants the brass knuckles, but she throws it to Abyss because they're now friends, I guess. After uh, Abyss, ha Abyss had her services for 30 days. He clubs Wolf with the knucks and follows it up with the black hole slam. And that's the end of the match. Thank goodness this wasn't good. It was violent for the sake of being violent and nothing else. I don't know why these fans were chanting, this is awesome, or, well, it's just because Abyss was taking punishment, I guess. I don't know, but I thought the blood and stuff was incredibly unnecessary and kind of unsafe, but who well? Oh, well, and Chelsea's bad acting did not help in this match at all. I'm going to give it a D+. This show has taken a tailspin. It has taken a tailspin, folks. And then we get RVD with Christy Hemi backstage. RVD says this is a big night, and he's got to win this match for all the TNA fans out there. And he didn't like Sting uh, vandalizing his TNA belt, his championship belt. And he doesn't care about Sting's agenda. He only cares about his. And you know, and he tells Sting, you know you're right. It is showtime. It's the whole effing showtime. Ah, good little pun there, RVD. After that, we get Jay Lethal versus AJ Styles with Ric Flair uh, with him at ringside. This gets 16 minutes. This gets over 16 minutes. This gets almost 17 minutes. And they did a really good job in this match. Other than a couple of botches late in the match, they were doing a really good job. It was just, there was an awkward pin sequence, not pin sequence, but like an attempt roll through by Jay Lethal at one time. And then the finish was kind of botched. As AJ prior, he went to go to the top turnbuckle. He tripped or slipped or something due to a possibly a figure four leg lock uh, by Lethal. He slips, he hits his face on the turnbuckle. He goes back up top. He goes for his uh, normal moonsault DDT, uh, reverse DDT you've seen while he's in WWE. And then, of course, if you watch TNA, you saw it all the time. But he kind of slipped again, and he ended up trying to go for a roll-through pin, and Lethal hit a Northern Lights suplex and kind of hit, got a jackknife cover off of it to win the match. And it was fine. I, I, I enjoyed this match for the most part. They did a really good job. It's just the awkward finish threw things off, for, threw things off a little bit for me. And I'm going to give it a B-grade. And I really like the story of this match because they these guys could not get momentum. Like each time somebody built up a little bit bit of momentum, the other guy would stop them. I like that story instead of going some guy heavily dominating the heavily dominating the action for most of it. I liked that these guys were kind of going back and forth the whole entire way. It was just the botched finish that really threw things a little threw things off a little bit for me. It was a B-plus match up until that point, but it's still going to get a B. The crowd really liked it. The crowd was kind of shocked by the finish. They were kind of like, oh my gosh, they, uh, Lethal beat AJ Styles. And this was, was when uh, Lethal was getting a little mini push. 
and he would win the title, uh, X Division title at Bound for Glory. I thought he was going to get a little bit of a bigger push because he's already held the X Division title at that point. He beat Kurt Angle in a match, what, two years, three years, about three years prior at a No Surrender 2007. He beat Kurt Angle for the X Division title. That that was when he was uh, in his Black Machismo character, his kind of Randy Savage tribute character. But B grade for this match, I enjoyed it. Just the finish was a little bit off. Then we get Sting up in the rafters. He's going to cover a lot of ground in this war with Bischoff and Hogan tonight when he wins the TNA world title from RVD. And the veil will be lifted from everybody's eyes. And he does a pretty much a Batman quote. He has a quote from The Dark Knight. Some men want to rule the world. Some men want to make it a better place. And some just want to watch it burn. Which man do you think I am, RVD? And... Interesting promo from Sting. After that, we get Jeff Hardy and Mr. Anderson, the enigmatic assholes, versus Beer Money, Robert Roode, and James Storm. These guys get 14 minutes. And before we get to the match, it's a promo from Anderson. And actually, let's get let's go back a little bit. Let's go back a month prior. Uh, Jeff beat Anderson at Sacrifice. And Hardy declined the handshake of Mr. Anderson. And he talks to Hogan, Anderson does, and he meant he meant it when he extended his hand to Jeff. And then Anderson helped Hardy beat Sting. And Hardy wasn't happy about it. And then Hardy saved Anderson from an attack. They shook hands. And they became a tag team. And then the pre-match interview, which I thought was fantastic... It was with Christy Hemi, and they're backstage, and they're feeling great going into tonight, and Anderson Anderson tells Jeff that we have bigger fish to fry, all right? We don't have a tag team name. And it's like, what do you get when you mix an enigma with an asshole? He's like, uh, charismatic assholes. That's what Jeff says. And then Anderson answers, assholes of the night. And then Jeff gets, the creatures of the assholes. And then... Anderson's like, uh, no. And how about the enigmatic assholes? And then Hardy slaps on the back, says, yeah, I love it. And then he says, yep, we'll do that. And he says, beer money's going to get defeated by none other than the enigmatic assholes. And wait for it, wait for it. Then Jeff goes, assholes. <laughs> and we get the match. Jeff Hardy and Mr. Anderson versus Beer Money, Robert Roode, and James Storm. Wow. Boy, has time flown by. But this match, it was kind of slow and plodding a little bit. Anderson got dominated for a bit. Jeff got dominated for a bit. Hardy got the tag event. Not Hardy, but Anderson got the tag eventually. He unleashes the offense. Hardy dove off the back of Anderson onto Storm. Rude countered a mic check and hit a spine buster. And then Hardy broke up a cover and accidentally caught Anderson on the head with his elbow. He actually cut Anderson up and made him bleed above his eye. Hardy hit a spinning mule kick on Rude. Storm hit the eye of the storm on Hardy. Beer Money set up their finisher, which was the DWI, which is a suplex powerbomb combo. And then Hardy throws Storm out of the ring. Rude goes for the suplex portion of it, thinking that Storm's there to do the powerbomb, but then Hardy throws Anderson back over. Rude turns around, looks at Hardy, then turns around and gets hit with a mic check from Anderson. 
and that's it. This match went about 14 minutes. It felt longer than 14 minutes. It wasn't bad, though. It wasn't bad. It just felt... It never got into that second gear until, like, very, very late into it. Uh, Still, not bad. The partnership doesn't last very long between these two as they do the, I think, Bound for Glory series just a month later or just about a month and a half later. I forget when they start this. But uh, it, I'm going to give it a B- minus anyway. It's going to be... It was a fine match. Fine. Nothing spectacular. About the same level as the Kendrick-Doug Williams match. Maybe slightly below that, but still. A B- minus grade. And up next was the main event of the evening. It was RVD defending his TNA World Heavyweight Championship against Sting. This is the first ever meeting between these two. And a little bit of backstory. RVD's debut match was against Sting, and he defeated Sting. And this match goes about 11 minutes. Sting's a conspiracy theorist heading into this match. Hogan and Bischoff are up to something, and the veil's going to be lifted, like I mentioned earlier. And this match spills to the outside immediately. They both throw each other against barricades, both of them, and that's about five minutes of the match. They only get about five minutes or so in the ring, and... Not a lot of in-ring stuff, to be honest, because by the time they get all the in-ring stuff in, it's a ref bump. RVD goes for a crossbody and accidentally hits Earl Hebner with it. And then Sting hits RVD with the baseball bat. Jeff Jarrett shows up and then hits Sting with the baseball bat. RVD hits a rolling thunder on Sting. He goes for the cover. Sting kicks out at two and a half. RVD goes for a monkey flip in the corner. He misses. And then Sting goes for a third Stinger splash. He hit two earlier in the match. He misses head first. Sting gets hit with a roundhouse from RVD. Frog splash follows. And game over, folks, at 10 minutes and 58. I'm going to give this a C. I'm going to give it a C. Because half the match was wasted brawling in the crowd. And I understand the overbooking. It at least made sense with Jeff Jarrett because Sting and Jeff Jarrett had their issues at that point. And they would continue on until Bound for Glory at least. And I don't know. This match should have been a lot better than it was. It wasn't a good main event. Sting, not I'm not taking away anything from Sting in this match. I just don't like him wrestling in a t-shirt. It's weird. It's very weird seeing Sting wrestle in a t-shirt. That doesn't affect the grade at all on this match. It's just, I was just making a point there. But this match wasn't very good. Too much brawling on the outside. It was way too reliant on that early on. Not much in-ring stuff. They should have had a lot better match than they did. RVD and Sting are capable of much better. This is not a main event worthy match. And, I don't know, Pretty disappointing. But they did make up for it later on with uh, their match at Sacrifice the following year. That was much better than this. C grade for that match. And overall, for Slammiversary, I'm going to give this a C. This is slightly better than Slamboree 2000. 
It's close to Slamboree 2000 bad, but not nearly a bad, not nearly as bad with the overbooking that Slamboree 2000 had. The only match really going worth going back and watching if you have Impact Plus or if you want to get the Slammiversary DVD, if you're thinking about getting the Slammiversary DVD, the only match to really check out on this show is Kurt Angle versus Kazarian in the opener. That was the best match on the show. After the first match, things took a big dip for the next three to four matches. I think it was at least the next three matches. Not good stuff. Not after well, not after the opening match. The opening two matches, the next three matches took a tailspin down. Other than the opening match, it's really nothing you have to see. The tag match with Anderson, Hardy, Rude, and Storm was fine. The X Division match between Kendrick and Doug Williams, that was fine also. It was just a disappointing main event, and the middle part of the show was really, really bad. Uh, but you got to take into account, Russo was on the booking team at this point, so it makes sense. And a little bit of, uh, I'm going to start doing this from now on. I'm going to do a little bit of, where are they now? I did a little bit of that prior, but I kind of wanted to do it more so here. So here we go. RVD. He's working for TNA once again. He worked for WWE for a little bit before coming back to TNA just a year or so, a couple years ago. And then Sting, he worked for WWE for a short time in about 2014, 2015. And then uh, had to retire after a Seth Rollins buckle bomb during their uh, WWE Championship match. Jeff Hardy, he's working for WWE. Mr. Anderson, most recently was working for the NWA, Beer Money. Robert Roode and James Storm. Robert Roode is still working for WWE. James Storm, he is working for the NWA. AJ Styles, you know the story with him. He's the man. He's one of the Big, big time players now in WWE, something you may have never thought. Two-time WWE champion and uh, multiple-time United States champion and now Intercontinental champion, AJ Styles. Jay Lethal, he's working at Ring of Honor. He's won their world championship a couple of times. Very good in-ring performer is Jay Lethal. Abyss, he's working as a producer now for WWE. Desmond Wolf, he's working for WWE now as a color commentary. I think he was furloughed recently with all the cuts. He should be, he should hopefully be back on commentary for NXT here soon. And Matt Morgan, he is a mayor, I'm pretty sure, in Florida. Hernandez, he's back working for TNA. Well, Impact Wrestling now. Brother Ray, he does the Busted Open show on Sirius XM. He also works for Ring of Honor. Madison Rain, she's working at Impact Wrestling. Roxy is retired. Then Doug Williams is semi-retired, while Brian Kendrick is still working for WWE. And then Kazarian, he's working for... AEW, while Kurt Angle is retired and just got released, actually got released along with a bunch of other people during WWE's talent cuts back a month or so ago. And that's it on my Where Are They Now portion of the show. Now's the time to let you know what's coming up here. 
Next week. Next week, it will be Vengeance 2005. It took place in Las Vegas, Nevada. The main event of that show was Batista defending his World Heavyweight Championship against Triple H in a Hell in a Cell match. Also on the card for that one is a triple threat match where John Cena defends his WWE Championship against both Chris Jericho and Christian. Also on the card, it's the rematch from WrestleMania 21. The classic match between Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels. The rematch happens at Vengeance 2005. But until then, keep up with me on the socials, Facebook and Twitter at SigDaddyWrestle and on Instagram at SigDaddy.Wrestle. And if you haven't already, make sure to give me that five-star review on Apple Podcast and tell your friends. Tell your friends. You can find my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, the iHeartRadio app, and even Google Podcasts. Until next time, this is Sig Daddy signing off. Thanks for listening, and so long, everybody.